You're listening to the Touchdown Under podcast with Jack, Emilian, Anthony, and Arif. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Touchdown Under podcast. This is episode 18. I'm Jack, your host, and as always, I'm joined by Emilian. Hey, how's it going? Anthony. Good to be here. And Arif. Happy to be back. Now, we are through with week two of the 2020 NFL season, and boy, was it a big week in the league. There was an absolute crap ton of injuries in the league this week. Boys, what do we think of all the injuries? I think it's such a shame. Um, you're, you're about to go through the list of key players, but I really think that the Broncos and 49ers took a massive hit. I think the Broncos especially, I think their season's over after all these injuries. We've seen that, obviously, we're going to get to it, the Blake Bortles signing and all that, but... It's a real shame that so early in the season, all these injuries happen. It, it kind of reminds me of, um, I think it was 2017, where early in the season, just so many players got injured. And remember where Aaron Rodgers got injured and that kind of uh, threw the entire Packers season off. It, you, you never want that because you always want teams to be fighting at their very best. And it's such a shame that, you know, so many star players are pretty much out. That's right. And I do agree with your point. Um, the 49ers and Broncos do seem to be, um, you know, the worst hit by the injuries so far. Uh Speaking of injuries, in terms of guys that are out for the season, the most notable names are Saquon Barkley, Von Miller, Nick Bosa, Derwin James, Solomon Thomas, Cortland Sutton, Tavon Young, Malik Hooker, Blake Jarwin, and CJ Uzoma. And guys who are you know, scheduled to miss time um, are Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, Le'Veon Bell, Philip Lindsay, AJ Brown, Drew Locke, Jimmy Garoppolo, Sterling Shepard, Leighton Van Der Esch, and Cam Akers. So there are a lot of names um, out for the season and guys who will miss time, as we talked about. I think even though the 49ers do seem to be the worst hit by the injuries, they do have some quite, uh, very winnable games coming up in the next few weeks. So hopefully we get to see some of their depth kind of come to the surface and uh, provide for them while those bigger names are on the sidelines. In terms of other big topics that came out of week two, um, what did we think of uh, Justin Herbert's debut? I thought it was very impressive. Um, he did say that he was he was prepared for it, even though it was very like the very last second. He was prepared. He's been training as if he's going to be the starter. So I was very impressed. Obviously, the game plan was very focused around the run game and passing out to the flats, you know, safe options, let the running backs do the work mainly. But he looked calm, he looked composed, and against the Chiefs, that's no easy play. So very impressed by his debut. If, if Tyrod Taylor is healthy this week um, for their week three game, do you think he gets a start or he should get the start? I believe he does get the start. Um, not just because Anthony Lynn is adamant that Tyrod is the starter and Herbert's the backup, but also because in his one game, he didn't necessarily flash, but he didn't perform to a point where Anthony Lynn is going to give up on him. He's he's really sure that Tyrod's the man to lead this Chargers franchise in 2020. Anthony, how long do you think it is before Herbert, you know, does eventually win out that starting quarterback job? Well, honestly, I feel like I just I understand that Anthony Lynn said that Tyrod Taylor would be the starter, but I feel like. If he's a long-term option, which he obviously is, because you know you're going to draft the quarterback in the first round, obviously going to be the long-term option. I feel like he has a right to start week week three against Carolina. I think he played he didn't have the best games, but it was his first game in the NFL. So I feel like I feel like we should see it really soon within the next couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, yeah. interesting you say that because Anthony Lynn did say that. Sorry, Jack. Anthony Lynn did say that. You know, it was only going to be if he's 100%. So there is a chance that Tyrod Taylor isn't 100% next week. And that means Justin Herbert could be starting. Yeah, as you said, Emilian, uh, Herbert did come in quite prepared. He showed a lot of poise. He knew the game uh, the game plan would be, you know, revolving around um, the running game and Austin Eckler and all that. So he came in, he looks prepared. He didn't look out of sorts. He made some nice throws. There was, uh, you know what you'd call a rookie error when he um, threw an interception when he probably could have run for the first down uh, in the second half. But overall, a pretty good debut, especially against, you know, a pretty decent Chiefs defense. And, you know, 
the Chargers as a whole played quite well, though. I would hold up Mahomes and Co. for a large portion of that game. So it will be interesting to, you know, it will be an interesting situation to monitor, um, you know, in these next few weeks. Obviously, we'll soon find out whether Taylor, you know, is even capable of playing this week and beyond. But it does sound like head coach Anthony Lynn does want Tyrod Taylor starting if he is healthy. Now, what about Cam Newton and the Patriots, who they did lose against the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. However, they did look um, pretty good, especially Newton. He did make some nice throws and he didn't seem too rattled by that Seahawks defensive roof. Yeah, it was a really impressive showing. I was really surprised, honestly. I mean, they gave Cam, what, $500,000 on a one-year deal. And he's really performing a lot higher than the, the money that he's getting. I would have thought, oh, maybe he's going to dominate the Seahawks on the ground. He really dominated them in the air as well. He was throwing all over the field to Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, all these guys. He was really impressive. They did have that chance uh, right at the end of the game um, to you know, come back and beat the Seahawks after being down as much as 12 in that last quarter. So, you know, they're really close to end up to actually going 2-0 and on the season. But, you know, even though they're 1-1 and now, I do expect them to go, you know, reasonably deep in the season. I feel like they could make the playoffs and even win that AFC East title over the Buffalo Bills. Um, and we also have our way too early uh, MVP favourites. And I don't know about you guys, but I really like Russell Wilson and Kyle Murray as, you know, the kind of MVP frontrunners at this early point in the season. Colin Murray was my MVP pick for this year. I do think he's probably second to Russell Wilson. Though Russell Wilson has been pretty outstanding in his first two games this year, and you know if he continues like this, then I don't think anyone's going to you know stop him from winning MVP this year. Yeah, I agree that I think those two are definitely the front runners. I'd also maybe throw Aaron Rodgers in there, but I do think maybe a dark horse candidate would definitely be Aaron Jones. He's definitely played really well so far, and if he can continue this momentum, granted. He hasn't played the toughest of defenses, but I do think he's capable of putting similar performances against some great defenses. So if he can continue this moment, I definitely think he can be a dark horse candidate for MVP. Anthony, who's your MVP favorite at this early stage? I, I Well, my first pick would be Russell Wilson, but I think I really like um, Cam Newton. I think as an outside chance, I think Russell Wilson, his form is definitely... Uh, he's, 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 Ability to throw the ball, his accuracy is unbelievable. He's definitely that top um, candidate at the moment. But I think Cam Newton, like you mentioned, Ariff, he's he's definitely worth more than five hundred thousand. There's no doubt about it. And I think with in New England, he has a chance to prove himself again. Yeah, my MVP pick would probably be Russell Wilson as well at this stage. The, the man's thrown nine touchdowns. One interception that wasn't really his fault, and he's only thrown 10 incompletions on the season. So he's definitely the front runner for me. He's playing some great football. Now, onto our first segment for this week's episode, and that is our power rankings. And sitting at 32, uh, once again, in our rankings are the New York Jets. Um, the Giants are at 31. The Cincinnati Bengals are at 30. 29 are the Panthers. The Dolphins at 28. Lions at 27. Washington at 26. Jaguars at 25. Falcons at 24, who did drop a little bit, Emilian, uh, after their you know, capitulation against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Um, it was a pretty inexplicable loss. I know you had high hopes for the Falcons, and I asked you about them last week. Do you still think they're going to go 9-7 and seven this season? I believe so. I think they played well for three quarters. Their offense was on fire. You know, putting up 39 points is no easy feat, um, especially in Dallas. I think their offense fine. They definitely need to sort out their defense. So you cannot allow the Cowboys to score 40 points. You're not, you cannot allow them to come back from that big elite in the fourth quarter. So I think there's definitely coaching issues as well. I think that's also a big part of what happened. But I do think they have the potential to go 9-7, and seven, I think, especially since if they're playing the Panthers twice this season, I think they'll win both games there. I think they'll win one or two games against the Bucks or Saints. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely think that Falcons' offense is definitely great. Definitely has a lot of promise, but their defense needs to get sorted. But I think like, season's still over. Season's still over. I do agree with you. I think they played quite well for, you know, a large majority of that game. 
Um, you know, apart from that last like kind of 10 minutes of that game where they really took the foot, foot off the pedal and let the Cowboys back into the game, it dominated them for pretty much the entirety of that game. Um, in Dallas, I thought, I didn't give them much of an opportunity going into that game. And, you know, they kind of surprised me with how they had played for basically the whole game. So it was really unfortunate, but, you know, it, it's inexcusable to, to lose that game after that kind of lead. Um, they've got the Bears at home this week in week three. Uh, wh- what do you think happens to them this week? I think I think the Bears' offense is definitely more than capable uh, to score over 20 points on that Falcons' defense. No, no doubt about it. I think, though, the best – it'll be interesting to see how the Falcons' offense approaches the strongest defense they'll, they'll face so far this season in the Bears. I, I think the Falcons get it done against the Bears. I do. But it's not going to be easy. Fair enough. <clears throat> At number 23 on our rankings this week, we have the Minnesota Vikings, who are down seven spots after their loss to the Colts. Now, the Vikings uh, have looked pretty sloppy to start the season, I've got to say. Anthony, how do you grade, you know, the way that Minnesota has started the season? Well, we, we talked about it in the preseason about how that defense has completely been revamped. You know, they've had to release players. They've uh, traded in plated. Sorry, been <laughs> traded. Um, the rookie, the rookie cornerbacks and safeties, are, it just hasn't been good enough. Like the ability to stop third downs has just been a couple of seasons ago. They were the best team in the NFL on third down back in 2017, and now in 2020, it's just they're letting they're giving up so many first down, sorry, third downs. That's what's really costing them. Obviously, Daniel Hunter has been um, out these first two games with an injury. And a lot of Vikings fans kind of kind of hoped, you know, um, the new acquisition that Yannick Ngakwe would step up in his absence. How do you feel about how Ngakwe started the season in Minnesota? Well, you only you recorded his first sack against Indianapolis this week, or sorry, last week. So I think it's been a bit of a slow start. But I mean, I'll, if I was a Viking fan, I would too fast with them yet. I play, I play changing teams. I would give him like a grace period of three weeks to get used to the team. And then after that three-week period, I expect belts. But, you know, one sack so far, that's that's decent. But I, I know his output will increase as he spends more time, you know, on that team. Yeah, obviously he's kind of the lone threat in terms of pass rushing options uh, at the Vikings at the moment. Um, but you'd hope when... Um, Hunter does return that, you know, that pass rush will improve. At 22, the Broncos. At 21, the Browns. The Cowboys come in at 20. The Chargers at 19. And at 18, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are down five spots after their loss to the Rams. Now, the Eagles were down big early on in that game at home, and they did come back, but then they got blown out again in the second half. Riff, the Eagles have had a pretty, pretty poor start to the season, considering, you know, most of their expectations do you think they, uh, after starting 0-2, do you think they can make the playoffs? I think it's too early to write them off, especially since, as most years, they're, they're suffering their fair share of injuries. I think if Carson Wentz can get going, which he still has plenty of time to do, they still have a chance to make the playoffs. They've played, obviously, they lost to Washington in week one, but that's the only division game they've played so far. They definitely have a chance to scrape some ground back off teams like the Cowboys in the weeks to come. Adam is 17 with the Bears who stay put after two weeks. And at 16, the Las Vegas Raiders who are up seven spots after their big win against the Saints. The Raiders were indeed really impressive against New Orleans on Monday Night Football, um, you know, at the grand opening of Allegiant Stadium. Emilian, how impressed were you with Las Vegas? Well, obviously, I had them as my team to watch last week, so I was definitely... I didn't expect them to win. I definitely thought it, the Saints would win that game, but I was thoroughly impressed with how that offense operated. Derek, I'll get into this a bit later when I recap my team to watch, but Derek Carr looks great. Darren Waller looked great. I think um, the Saints' defense just looked a little lost. They didn't really know how to cover Darren Waller, and the amount of third downs that the Raiders picked up was very impressive. Their defense looks pretty good. I think that the loss of Michael Thomas on the Saints definitely did. I think if Michael Thomas is in that game, the Saints win it, I think, with ease. 
Well, I do look forward to hearing your um, team to watch segment a bit later on. At number 15, we have the Texans. And at number 14, we have the Los Angeles Rams, who are up four spots after their win against Philadelphia. The Rams looked really, really, really sharp on offense, especially against the Eagles. They are 200 to start the season. Uh, I know we kind of had, you know, tempered expectations, of, you know, on the Rams to start this season. We weren't sure if they were going to completely bounce back from a disappointing season last year, but they've looked pretty good to start the season. Anthony, how far, based on these first two weeks, do you think the Rams can go? I think, oh, especially given all the injuries to like the teams, like, you know, the 49ers you mentioned before, I think that really opens the window for a team like the LA, which, you know, that they have that aerial threat game that I think is, it's returning to what it was, what it was in 2018 from what I saw against the Eagles. It looked very impressive. I think this opens the door for them to potentially get that, you know, that third wildcard spot or even just even secure the, um, the second wildcard spot and not even, and, and, you know, be that six seed in the NFC. Cause I think, I know the Philadelphia aren't the strongest of opponents at the moment with all their injuries, but I think what Jared Goff showed, you know, using his tight ends like Tyler, uh, Tyler Higby, he really proved that they can get back to 2018 form. They did look quite sharp. And at this point in time, they do look well-placed, um, you know, for a playoff finish. At 13, uh, we have the Colts. At 12, the Arizona Cardinals. At 11, the Patriots. At 10, the Titans. The Bills come in at ninth. And at eight, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers. And at seven, we have the 49ers, who are down three spots, you know, after the, all those injuries suffered against the Jets. Obviously, they got the win against New York in New York. And it looked pretty good doing it. But obviously, the injuries to come out of the game, you know, uh, do have the potential to be pretty catastrophic. Emilian, I want to know your thoughts on how you think Nick Mullins will fare in Garoppolo's absence. I think that he doesn't have to do too much for the 49ers to succeed, especially over these next few weeks um, in the time Garoppolo is out. They've got a fairly easy schedule. So I think if I think if Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and Derek McKinnon can carry the load of that offense, if they run the ball well and effectively, I think Nick Mullins will be just fine. Obviously, he's a significant downgrade from Garoppolo, but if the 49ers can get back to that rhythm of limiting Garoppolo's, well, the quarterback's throwing uh, attempts, and just get and control the clock, get the ground game going. I think the defense is still strong enough to help out as well. So Nick Mullins, I think, will definitely do as a backup should do. He won't do too well, but I don't think it'll harm the 49ers all that much over the next few weeks. Obviously, you know, they, they've taken a massive hit on defense, but they've also taken a hit on offense with Garoppolo out. George Kittle was already out, and it does look like running back Raheem Mostert will miss at least a week with an MCL sprain. So maybe we see a little bit more of Jerick McKinnon against the Giants. At number six, we have the Green Bay Packers who are up four spots after their win against Detroit. Now, obviously, we don't know how much stock to put in, uh, you know, um, a win against the Lions at home, but the Packers did certainly look quite impressive doing it as they did last week when they dropped 43 on the Vikings. Two, you know, division wins for the Packers. Um, guys, how much stock do we really put into these two wins? Well, they've certainly won the games that they've meant to want win, sorry. I mean, they have a couple of tough matchups coming up in like the Saints and the Bucks in the following weeks. So it's important that they won these games. They really flex their muscle on offense. Jones <laughs> is picking up right where he left off last season. Obviously, in the offseason, we really berated them for their lack of action or noticeable action in free agency and obviously the draft where they didn't pick a receiver but it seems to be working for them for the moment so we'll see how they go as you mentioned i do have some you know 50 50 games coming up you know uh, against the saints and buccaneers do you think they get the win over the saints this week I'm not sure, honestly. I think the Saints will be really disappointed with how they fared on defense against the Raiders. It's certainly going to be a good matchup, but they'll be looking for revenge. I still think... I think the Saints will win, honestly, but it will be very close. I agree. The Saints definitely will want to bounce back after a pretty disappointing outcome against the Raiders. 
into our top five now, and we have the Saints at five still, despite their loss on Monday Night Football. At four, we have the Buccaneers. At three, we've got the Seahawks, who have made a small jump after their you know impressive win against the Patriots. They uh, were incredibly efficient on offense throughout most of that game against the Patriots, and despite the you know numerous opt-outs that New England has on defense, they do have a pretty strong defense, especially with Stephon Gilmore, but you know, we saw, um, you know, DK Metcalf really took him to town a bit um, in that game and Russell Wilson was just tearing him, tearing him apart. So, Emilian, how far do you see this Seattle team going after how impressive they looked on offense and defense? I mean, as you know, I did predict them to win the division and go all the way to the Super Bowl. And honestly, it looks, it looks that way right now. <laughs> right now, I think they're the strongest team in the NFC West after all these 49ers injuries. The Cardinals are definitely up and coming, but I'm still waiting to see um sort of more impact from their defense um in a way so i think i think seattle looks good their defense is definitely a liability especially the pass rush uh the addition of jamal adams is huge we talked about this last week but i think going forward they can definitely win the next few games they've got the cowboys coming up and then after that they've got the dolphins and vikings before they take on um their first division rival in the arizona Cardinals. so they're they're, they're going good right now i think momentum wise this game against the patriots was huge and I think they're looking as one of the strongest teams in the NFC right now. I agree. And, you know, through two weeks, it does look like the NFC West is probably the most competitive division in the league with all four teams, you know, really probably going to be vying for playoff spots come the end of the season. Uh, at number two, we have the Ravens at a number one with the Chiefs. And it's quite fitting that we have these two guys at the top because they are facing off <clears throat> on Monday Night Football in Baltimore this week. And that is our game of the week, which we're going to talk about a little later on. Boys, do we think we have the order right in terms of Chiefs at one, Baltimore at two, Anthony? Yeah, I think we, I think we do. I think... You haven't seen enough from Baltimore. Obviously, Baltimore beat Houston was a great win, you know. But I think the fact that the Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions and they're the two and and the Ravens are still two and zero Bowl last year. I think it's simple as that. I agree. I feel like the Chiefs um, do deserve to be number one. Obviously, great Super Bowl champions. They looked pretty good through two weeks. Even with a slight hiccup against the Chargers, they did grind it out. And we expect them to grind it out, and they did, and they won that game. So they are at number one in our power rankings. That caps off our power rankings segment for this week. On to our next segment, which is Arif's Rising Rookies. Arif, take it away. Thanks, Jack. So I'm just going to quickly go through the rookies that I said I wanted to watch in week two. And my first one was Isaiah Simmons and... Unfortunately, it was a complete non-factor in the game against Washington. He only played on seven snaps, registering just one tackle. I really hope he gets more chances. I know he had a bad performance in week one against the Niners, but he deserves another shot. Patrick Queen, he had a very strong showing. He registered nine tackles. And if you guys remember last week, I was calling for the Ravens to send him on some more blitzes. He got sent twice in the game. Uh, in week two against the Texans and he had he registered a quarterback hit so he is really dangerous and I'm, I'm excited to watch him against the Chiefs my third rookie was Joe Burrow and for a guy as a rookie that completed 61 passes he looked very impressive sorry not completed he attempted 61 passes he completed 37 of them for 316 yards and three touchdowns with zero interceptions he did fumble twice, though, and he, he lost one within his own five-yard line, but mistakes happen. I think he looked really poised with some of his throws, as he did in week one. And, you know, I'm calling an upset alert against the Eagles in week three. So now for my rookie of the week, my honorable mention is James Robinson, the running back for the Jaguars. And he rushed for... It was 16 times for 102 yards and a touchdown while he also caught three passes. He's had five broken tackles in two weeks, which is top 10 in the league, and he's looking very strong. CeeDee Lamb, he was quite impressive as well. He caught, he, he was the first rookie wide receiver to gain 100 yards in a game. He had six 
passes on nine targets for 109 yards. He caught three passes on third down in the second half, which is going to win you football games. He had an incredible contested catch on third and seven. And the, he also caught the ball that sent them into field goal range to win that game. So he's, he was very impressive. At number two, I have Justin Herbert, obviously the quarterback for the Chargers. He, he, he got thrown into the fire against uh, in week two against the Chiefs, honestly. He, I don't think he was ready personally, but he really showed us that he's capable. He had 311 passing yards with a touchdown and an interception, and he also had a rushing touchdown. I, he's, he's likely to be in a backup spot next week, but really good signs for the Chargers' future. And my number one rookie this week is none other than Antoine Winfield Jr., the safety for the Tampa Bay Bucks. He had an incredible game. He had 11 tackles and a sack, and he forced a fumble on Teddy Bridgewater. So that's really good signs for him. My rookies to watch in week three, Lejarius Sneed, the cornerback for the Chiefs, I know we all thought he was really impressive on opening night against the Texans, but he really backed it up in week two. He had another interception, and I'm really looking forward to see if he can keep it going against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. My next rookie to watch is KJ Hamler, and I think he's going to get a lot more opportunities to succeed in this Broncos offense, especially since the injury, the season-ending injury for Cortland Sutton. I know that they're not going to have Drew Locke in for a bit. I still think Hamler has opportunities to be used. My third and final rookie to watch in week three is Jalen Johnson, cornerback of the Chicago Bears. I think he's had an excellent start to his career. And he's going to have an incredible learning opportunity this week against Julio Jones and that talented Falcons receiving core, which also has... Calvin Ridley in it. I'm very interested to see how he goes. And honestly, I think he he could surprise a few with a good showing. We'll see. I've got a couple of thoughts on those rookies. I like those picks. I was just interested. You did choose KJ Hamler, the wide receiver for the Broncos. Obviously, it's a good point. Obviously, he's starting out for the season. There are going to be a lot more opportunities to go around. Do you think Hamler gets more opportunity than a guy like Jerry Judy? It's interesting to note, Jack. He ended up logging more snaps than Judy did last week. I know that Judy was down a bit with his injury during the game, but it's still encouraging to see that a guy like Hamler is getting that kind of snap share in his first game. I think Hamler could be used a bit different to Judy, maybe use him a bit on end arounds and stuff like that, get it out to him quick for some short passes while Judy does more of the route running type stuff. It'll be interesting to see how they share the ball around next week. That's a good point. Hamler definitely is a deep threat. And uh, that was definitely one of his major traits coming out of um, Penn State at the draft. In terms of Jalen Johnson, obviously, you know, a guy like, you know, he's lining up he's lining up opposite, you know, Kyle Fuller um, at the Bears. Do you think... Because I, I, I think Kyle Fuller gets the matchup against Julio Jones, but obviously there is still uh, Calvin Ridley, who's been better than Jones so far. And the Falcons have arguably the number one or the best, you know, wide receiver number three in Russell Gage, who's been really good as well. So it's going to be a, a really tough task for um, not only Johnson, but the best secondary to handle those three guys, do you reckon? Yeah, I, I reckon that's right, Joe. I think... Honestly, there's potential that they're going to probably maybe move Jalen Johnson around. Or I, I know Matt Ryan, he's probably going to try and test Jalen Johnson a bit with some of his throws, but it will be really interesting to see who he goes to out of those three receivers. As you mentioned, Russell Gage, I mean, the Falcons knew it, but we didn't know that he was really going to be this good and get as many opportunities as he has. You're right, and obviously there's an end there. They've got Hayden Hurst today quiet from the Ravens, who's been really impressive so far as well. That wraps up Arif's Rising Rookies for week three, and we're going to move swiftly onwards to Anthony's Q&A for this week. 
And Anthony, the first question for you comes in from Tom, who asks, will the Chargers start Herbert or Taylor, assuming he's fit, in week three? Well, we're going to, we talked about this before. I think I said before that I think obviously Herbert is the long term answer at quarterback. So for me personally, I'll, if I'm just the Chargers putting in Herbert, I think the quicker you can get game time and experience into a young player, the quicker he will develop and the better he'll be. But I think from the Chargers, like uh, Anthony Lynn's perspective, I think, as you mentioned before, it's they said that Tyra Taylor will be the starter if he is 100% fit. So assuming he's fit, obviously he's going to get the, he's going to be the starter. I think his experience, uh, he's been there for longer in, in, in LA as well, a season longer. So I think he would be, especially in a volatile, a volatile season like this one, I think Tyra Taylor would have the starting job against Carolina. The second question comes in from Atlanta Falcons Australia, who asks, can the Falcons bounce back from their 0-2 start? Yeah, I, I think I think Atlanta, their loss to the Cowboys, you know, obviously, it, a loss like that, is, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to deal damage to, to confidence, not like in long term. So I think next week they have the Bears, they're 0-2. They, I expected them to go somewhere between 11-7 and 10-6. And but I think I think this game against the Bears in Atlanta, it's a really, really crucial game. I think the, the Bears are 2-0. and um, But they haven't played the, the hardest teams in the NFL so far. So I think this is the test that Atlanta is for the Bears. They are. So... I think they can bounce back, but it, it was, and I think the um the matchup between Julio and Matt Ryan, you know, we'll talk about it so much that that'll be the defining factor as to whether or not they can do that. And I think yeah, it'll be a good test this week. Sorry, Anthony. Um, you said eleven and seven. Do you mean eleven and five or nine and seven? Yeah, sorry, eleven and five. Yeah. All right. All right. Just just wanted to clear that up. Um, the next question comes from Bolstered Up Sports, and he asks, "What two and O team do you believe in more?" The Raiders or the Bears? Well, this is an easy one for me. I think the Raiders are... I, I, I probably believe more in the Raiders as the 2-0 team here, like the better one. But, I mean, I don't take away anything that the Bears have done in the past couple of weeks. The win against the Giants, obviously the Giants aren't tracking too well, but I think their defense was very gutsy in that win. And the Giants did challenge late. And they stood. They they really stood up and they delivered. But I think the Raiders win against... The, uh, the Saints. That that's the kind of win that really it changes the course for that organization. It's something that the players believe. I reckon the players in the locker room will be like to beat the Saints. You know, that that's that's that'll really lift their confidence. And I think a win like that, we should see the Raiders uh, exceed expectations in 2020 with a win like that. So our fourth and final question for you this week, Anthony, comes from. Llama Bacon 007, and he asks, what's the main cause of the injury bug going on around the NFL? It's a good question. I wish I could answer that, but I think if, if considering all the factors that have made this season different to any other season, the single factor that would probably be the reason for this is the preseason. I think having players not having players play against just the same players on defense within their own team, I think, I think the experience of playing preseason games is really crucial. And I think we've seen it this year in terms of all the injuries. I also, it is worth noting that um, the last stadium that there was an issue with the grad had really caused a lot, a lot all the layers between the 49ers and the Jets were blamed on the, the turf conditions. That's something to, that's something that has kind of exacerbated the issue that we've seen during week two. But I think the the lack of preseason games is probably the main factor here. That wraps up Anthony's Q&A for week three. And our next segment is our multi-madness segment where we pick Five winners head-to-head -head each week in a uh, multi-bet. And 
after being unsuccessful in unsuccessful in week one, we managed to get the W in week two. We had no losers last week. All five of our teams won the 49ers, Chiefs, Cardinals, Buccaneers, and Ravens all got the job done for us. So we had a uh, successful multi-madness last week, and we are a one and one on the season. Now, in terms of this week, our five uh, winners who we have picked, and our first one is uh, the Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars, who are playing at home against the Dolphins on Thursday Night Football. And <clears throat> obviously, when you talk about the Jaguars this season, Gardner Minshew has been pretty superb at quarterback. He's, I think, obviously exceeded expectations so far this season. And uh, another really bright spot, I think, for Jacksonville has been James Robinson, the running back, who has really stepped up um, and filled the shoes of, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette, who has departed, obviously. Uh, in terms of their defense, a lot of, obviously it's really young and they inserted a lot of draft, uh, draft stock into that defense and no one really expected to be this, you know, well, no one expected to be uh, really decent at all. And so far it's been pretty good. And rookie CJ Henderson has definitely led that defense um, so based on how the Jags have played through two weeks, uh, I, I can't see them losing at home against Miami. What about you guys? I mean, it's tough. I think the Dolphins, they are 0-2, but they've performed pretty well. They held the Patriots to 24 points in week one. They got 11 themselves on a, on a pretty strong defense. Um, so you can't really, can't really bag on them too much for that game. And they were close against the Bills. Obviously, the Bills were missing two of their starting linebackers, but to put up like to almost go toe-to-toe with the Bills is not an easy task, especially if their offense is playing well. You play against that great Bills defense and you almost win the game in Buffalo as well. So I oh, – sorry, no, that was in Miami. Sorry, my bad. But um, I, I have been impressed with the Dolphins so far this season. Despite them not winning games, I've been impressed. But I do think the Jags get this one. They, they, they look better right now. The second leg of our multi this week is the Tennessee Titans who are traveling to Minnesota against the Vikings. And uh, the Vikings have been pretty terrible so far. And even at home, I believe they're underdogs against a very good Titans team um, who obviously just kind of scraped by the Jaguars, but they started 2-0 and uh, not only Derek Henry, but Ryan Tannehill has also looked pretty impressive um, on that offense. And obviously, with Jadavion Clowney now inserted into that defense, um, they're a pretty formidable side. What about you guys? Yeah, I feel like this matchup, I, I mentioned before how, how the Vikings defense hasn't performed, and it's really, you know, it's conce- they've considered a lot of third downs against the Titans, against, against Derrick Henry. I don't, I think this is definitely a safe option. The Vikings defense will be able to handle Derrick Henry at all. I, I don't I don't see how I, I wish I could say this would be a close game, but I don't I don't see the, the Vikings being able to match what the Titans would be able to do in offense. The, the issue for the Vikings hasn't just been on defense. I think in a matchup like this, the offense will definitely be tested. Kirk Cousins didn't really didn't perform very well against the Colts, and I don't think against a better opposition of Titans, it, it won't get any easier. The third leg of our multi, we have chosen the Los Angeles Chargers who are at home against the Carolina Panthers. And I think there's an argument to be made that the Chargers should be 2-0 and uh, after two weeks. But either way, they've played some pretty good football um, through two weeks and should be able to topple a you know Christian McCaffrey-less Panthers team, especially at home. I really don't think it matters too much who the quarterback is for the Chargers. I feel like their defense mainly will get the job done. Um, what do you think, Arif? Yeah, I really liked your point there, Jack, about um, Christian McCaffrey not playing. Obviously, he suffered that ankle, high ankle sprain against the Buccaneers. He'll be out for about four to six weeks. And during that period, I don't really see them winning many games, no matter who they're playing. He's, he's that guy on offense. He's that X factor. He can keep them in games, as he did in week one against the Raiders. Without him there, I don't see how they're going to fire up. Obviously, we, we can't really take anything away from the Chargers. I mean, this is this is a good defense, as you mentioned as well. They are going to really frustrate Teddy Bridgewater, and I think they get the win fairly comfortably. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, especially as men's in charge of defense, that defensive line, I'd say, is one of the best, if not the best in the league. They were able to pressure Mahomes all game last week. And if you hold, as a defense as a whole, if you hold the Chiefs to 23 points in overtime, Imagine what they're going to do to the Panthers without McCaffrey. I think I think this is going to be an easy game for the Chargers' defense. I think Chargers' offense is more than capable to score enough points to beat them, to beat the Panthers. I agree with you guys. <clears throat> On to our second last leg of this week's multi, and we've picked the Colts, who are playing at home against the Jets. And I think based on last week's win against the Vikings, the Colts are starting to hit their strides. And uh, Philip Rivers, despite the, you know, he's thrown another interception last week, I think he's starting to get more acquainted with this Indianapolis offense and playing under Frank Reich. So I do feel like him and that offense will get the job done against a pretty bad Jets side who, you know, we have, as we've talked about, have that weak defense. And, you know, Donald doesn't have much help. I don't really like, in fact, I don't like Adam Gase as a head coach. I don't think he's helped Donald at all. Um, the Jets are just in a pretty bad spot overall, and I really don't think the Colts will lose this game. On to the last leg of this week's multi, and we have picked the Chiefs, who are playing at Baltimore. And obviously, this is probably our risky pick of the week, but we do believe in the Chiefs, and they present as really good value at $2.60. Um, I think they will be able to get over the Ravens, even in Baltimore. That Chiefs offense is pretty unstoppable. Even a really formidable defense in the Chargers couldn't get the job done, um, even after leading. So I, I can't see the Ravens defense slowing down that Chiefs offense enough to be able to get the win. My, my biggest concern with this one is the fact that the Chargers really dominated in the run game against that Chiefs defense. They really controlled the clock. I think in the third quarter, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Chiefs only had two minutes of possession in the third quarter. So I wonder how the Ravens are going to approach this. Are they going to try to dominate them on the ground? And if so, will the Chiefs be able to do what they did against the Chargers and come back from behind uh, and maybe force overtime and win it at the last minute? That's a really good point, Emilian, because... As you talked about, Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly were pretty prominent features of that Chargers offense last week against the Chiefs. And they were able to get, you know, make a lot of kind of splash plays against that uh, Chiefs defense. Um, and you'd think, you know, with that, with, you know, Lamar Jackson, the dual threat and Mark Ingram, that they have an even tougher time on the ground against the Ravens. So, um I think, it was, I think we should expect, you know, a better output from that Kansas City defense. That is our multi for week three. Um, hopefully we can get the job done for a second week in a row. Obviously, if you guys are planning to put on a multi or a bet yourselves, we do encourage you or to everyone to gamble responsibly. On to our next segment, and that is Emilian's team to watch. Emilian, take it away. Thanks, Jack. So as I said before earlier in this episode, last week I had the Las Vegas Raiders uh, as my team to watch. They were playing the Saints and they came out with a shock victory. Uh, in the grand opening of Allegiant Stadium. I was very impressed. I think I think their offense, as I said before, looked really good. Derek Carr said he he wanted to prove himself. He wanted to prove that he he's tired of being disrespected. He wanted to prove he is a good quarterback. And I think he's just I think he's a good quarterback. Not great. I don't think he's great yet. I think it'll take some time, but he definitely looked comfortable against a pretty tough Saints defense. So very happy with that Raiders victory. Uh on to my team to watch this week. And this is a team that has I'd say flown under the radar going into this season, um, but they look good. And that is the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, They've had two big wins against the Cowboys and Eagles in consecutive weeks, one of which was in Philly. So not an easy environment to play in, even without without the fans there. Um, But the run game looks strong. Obviously, the loss of Cam Akers is big, but Daryl Henderson did look really good uh, once he started playing a bit more. Obviously, Malcolm Brown, he, he played really well in week one against the Cowboys. So... Looking out for the Rams there. This week, they're playing the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. So this is going to be a very tough test. They're playing, obviously, the strongest defense uh, that they face this season. Uh, Coming up against a really strong front seven. Obviously, uh, receivers Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are going to have to find a way to deal with Tredavious White, who I believe is the second-best cornerback in the league. So also on the defensive side, I I think the Bills' offense look good, but it's going to be definitely a test for Josh Allen 
to really throw well against Jalen Ramsey, who's going to be covering most likely Stefan Diggs, I'd assume. And also, you can, you can never count Aaron Donald out. He's going to be all over Josh Allen, I reckon. So, very interested to see how the Rams perform this week. Uh, let's see how they go. It's a good point you raise about Daryl Henderson, the running back. You guys know how much I like Henderson, um, especially coming out of Memphis a couple of years back. I think he probably should have had, you know, more of an upper hand over Akers and Brown to start the season. But obviously, he's getting an opportunity now due to the injury to Akers. And I feel like it's a really good opportunity for him to kind of um, take hold of that uh, running back role. I think if he can put, if he can string together a couple of really good games, then I think the starting spot is his to lose. Um, so it will be an interesting situation to monitor over the next couple of weeks. That is Emilian's team to, to watch for week three, and we're going to move on to TDU's game of the week, which, as we mentioned previously, is Baltimore versus Kansas City. And as we do for our game of the week each week, we're going to break it down into four aspects, and that is the, who we think is the better offense, the better defense, who we think is better coached, and who we think has more momentum going into the matchup. So this week, Arif is going to kick it off with who he thinks has the better offense. Thanks, Jack. I found this really difficult. I, I, it took me a while, but I had to go with the Chiefs here. I mean, obviously, both teams have reigning MVP quarterbacks, obviously. I give the Ravens the better run game because of, you know, the combination of Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, rookie J.K. Dobbins, and obviously can't discount Lamar Jackson's running ability, but they're receiving the receiving core of the Chiefs is really what pushes it in their favor, in my opinion. They have an incredible amount of speed, obviously. Tyreek Hill, McCall Hardman, um, Sammy Watkins. And although the Ravens do have Hollywood Brown, there isn't an incredible amount of depth behind him. So the the Chiefs have a lot of depth in their receiving core. The tight ends are both stars, obviously. And the offensive lines, the Chiefs have only given up two sacks in two games. Obviously, a million, the Chargers did pressure them quite a bit. But still, two sacks in two games is quite encouraging. Whereas the Ravens' offensive line has given up six sacks in that same time span, which is quite concerning. But we'll see how they fare. I think the Chiefs have the better offense for now. Alrighty, uh, I've got the better defense, and th this one was pretty easy, especially after last week's performance. I've gone with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they recorded two sacks against the Browns in Week One and four against the Texans. I think uh, after after the Chiefs' defensive performance against Los Angeles, I, I, I just can't see them as the better defense. I think that the Ravens have the better secondary. I think Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters form one of the best cornerback duos in the league, if not the best. Uh, the front seven is very strong. The addition of Kales Campbell has proven to be huge. And as you said, Patrick Queen has had a really strong start to his career. So I look forward to seeing, to seeing more production from both of those guys and how they impact the defense as a whole. Um, that, that's no take away from the Chiefs defense. I think it's definitely a great defense. I just think that as a whole, the Baltimore defense is much stronger, even after the departure of Bell Thomas. I think even that may have, that may have improved. Uh, the synergy between between the players, especially in that secondary, Chuck Clark, obviously they're at strong safety. So, yeah, this one, pretty easy for me. Ravens have the better defense. All right. So, for, for my part, I've got who's better coached. And I've gone with Andy. And I just think experience, I like offense. I think, I think this is the, I think him coaching, like the, the, what he's done to like, you know, coach Patrick Mahomes to kind of, you know, get him integrated into that offense, in which really has been the last two, three years. It's been relatively quick from the time he's been drafted to how, to a start that he is now. I think he has complete control of the offense. I think that will be the factor that gets him over the, I guess, in the win against the Ravens. Uh, so I think Andy Reid's the better coach here. And to wrap it up, I have more momentum. And I think Baltimore has more momentum going into this matchup. They've disposed of the Browns and Texans in weeks one and two, while the Chiefs, while they were really good in week one, kind of barely scraped by the Chargers in week two, you know, who took them to overtime. So I think in terms of complete performances in its first two weeks, 
the Baltimore Ravens have, you know, definitely put together the two, you know, more complete performances so far. And coming in uh, back to M&T Bank Stadium at home uh, in week three in this matchup, I would say the Ravens do go into this game with more momentum. Now, boys, to cap off this segment, what are our game predictions? This is tough. I mean, obviously, on Multi Madness, we did bet on the Chiefs to win. But it, it's tough. I do think the Ravens' home field advantage, I think, a more diverse offense, if you will. I think they, they use a lot of their players in their depth um, a lot more. So I do think the Ravens get the win, but I, I would not be surprised at all if the Chiefs pull it out. No doubt. Yeah, same for me. I actually, you know what? I'm going to go a different route here. I'm going to say the Chiefs win in a shootout. I think that both defenses are actually going to struggle in this game. I know it's an unpopular opinion. I think the Chiefs will bring the Ravens defense back to earth. Obviously, as you said, Jack, the Ravens flew past the Browns and the Texans, whereas really Harrison Butker, you know, um, bailed them bail the Chiefs out against the Chargers. However, I think they bounce back and really test that Ravens defense. I'm going to say, if I could put a score on it, I'd say maybe 38 to 31 Chiefs. Yeah, I, ref- I like I like that, um, your, your prediction of a shootout. I mean, it's... Every time that I predict a shootout, it never happens. But I feel like it has a, the this has a, this game has a potential to actually, to, you know, for that to come true. I feel like even though the Ravens' defense is obviously really good, I don't think they'll be able to, be able to handle what the Chiefs will throw at them on offense. And for that reason, I think we will see a high-scoring game similar to, to what you said, a roof, thirty-eight to thirty-one, something along those lines. Yeah, I think it'd be a reasonably high scoring, maybe not in the 30s, as you guys suggest. I, I reckon maybe we see a 27-24 kind of game. I will go with the Chiefs because of our multi-madness segment. I do think the Chiefs will get the job done. They probably weren't entirely pleased with their overall performance last week in the Chargers, so I do expect to see an improvement or a slight improvement, at least, especially on defence, I'd say. And Mahomes... Considering that he was kind of stalled for most of that game until the last quarter, I think he's going to want to come out firing against Baltimore. So we might see, yeah, kind of a 27-24 win maybe from the Chiefs. That is our game of the week for week three. And we're going to move on to the last segment of uh, today's podcast. And that is Jack's real overreaction. And the boys are going to prepare to um, give me some statements and I'm going to reply real overreaction. Awesome. So, Jack, I'm going to kick it off for you. After Saquon and Christian McCaffrey's injuries, Aaron Jones is now the second best running back in the league behind Zeke. Yeah, that's real, Arif. I thought for a second you were going to say that he's the best, in which case I would have said a reaction because I do feel like Ezekiel Elliott is still the number one guy at the position in the league. Aaron Jones, though, has been you know outstanding so far. Him and Aaron Rodgers have probably been the best quarterback running back duo so far, um, uh, you know, so far this season. So, yeah, he's been really impressive. But I don't think – we've, we've got to see it for a sustained period of time before I can confidently say that he's, you know, um, better than Ezekiel Elliott. But I think right now uh, he is probably number two because Derrick Henry has kind of been a little bit slower. He's got his yards, but – the efficiency hasn't really been there so far. So at this point, I would put number Aaron Jones at number two. All right. The Jaguars have a decent chance of winning the division. That is an overreaction, uh, Anthony. Um, the Jaguars, uh, they've been impressive. They've exceeded expectations so far, but... I think come the business end of the season, they won't be able to match it with teams like Indianapolis and Tennessee. Alrighty, Jack, my first statement for you is the Patriots are up there with the Chiefs and Ravens as one of the teams to beat in the AFC. I think at this exact point in time, million, that's an overreaction. Um, they are one and one. It is, it's been two weeks. 
I think at some point this season, we're going to see kind of like a down patch for Cam Newton and that Patriots offense. Um, I think, as you guys know, I predicted the Patriots to still win the AFC East title this year. So I do expect them to be there about to the end of the year. Maybe not quite a team to beat, but I think they'll definitely be in the playoff picture and I believe that they will be in the playoffs. But they are not, well, this, this, at least for this season, I don't think they're going to be on the level of Kansas City or Baltimore. Without Michael Thomas, the Saints are an average team. That's an overreaction at this point, Arif. While it did look pretty average for, you know, a good portion of that game against the Raiders, I feel like they're going to need some time to adapt um, to life without Thomas, at least for a few weeks. Breeze wasn't very good. um, And I don't think we're going to see that version of Breeze every week. So... Yeah, I, I think it's an overreaction to say that they're an average team. The defense is also quite porous. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins and Janos Jenkins, you know, we talked to, we talked them up as really, you know, good offseason acquisitions, but they were pretty poor against the Oakland Raiders, uh, sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think we are going to see a better defensive output from the Saints going forward, you know, and on offense as well. I think it was just a pretty average game in general, but I don't think it's what we're going to expect from them in coming weeks, even without Michael Thomas. Are the Raiders are the real deal in 2020? I think I'm going to go with a real here, Anthony. Even though we're only two weeks in, I think we've got to acknowledge the play of the Raiders. Um, I, week one, they're just going to have to line against the Panthers, but for a team like the Raiders, it was a good win. Like the, the, they scored well, you know, away from home. It was a win they had to have to kind of tell themselves that they were going to do something significant this season. Then they went and beat the Saints, which kind of really put that into motion. And so I would say that they are at least trending towards being, you know, the real deal this year. It is early and I could have said overreaction here, but I am going to have to acknowledge the good play of the Raiders to date. Jack, just before I get on to my uh, second statement for you, do, uh, the Raiders have the Patriots coming up this week. Do you think? I'm not. I, I think. I know. I think. I. I think. I think you'll predict the Patriots to win that. Sorry, but do you think the Raiders will make it competitive? The game's in New England, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if it's in New England, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna pick the Patriots. Um, the Patriots. Yeah, the, I'd say if, if luck was on their side, a little bit more luck was on their side, that they, they could be 3-0 in um, another in an alternate universe, you know, this time next week. But they've played pretty well to start the season. And despite how good the Raiders have been so far, I don't think they'd be able to quite match it at Foxborough, even with no fans. Um, but yeah, I think they would make it close. I don't think it'd be a blowout by any, stretch, by any, by any means, considering how the Raiders have played. Awesome. Sorry for my second statement. I've got the 49ers will still have a winning record as long as the run game stays strong. Yeah, that's absolutely real. I think even if the running game stalls somewhat this season, I feel like they will have a winning record. They've just got too too many good players now um, all round on offense and defense. But that offensive line is really good, obviously, with Trent Williams there now. And Kyle Shanahan, he's, he's, he's you know, being, able to, being able to conduct such a really effective running game. And so I feel like whoever they put in there is going to have some kind of excess, uh, sorry, success running the football. I think we're going to see more Jerick McKinnon now that, or at least for a little bit while Mostert is out. But Mostert and McKinnon, when they're both healthy, do have the potential to be a really good one-two punch in that Fortnite's backfield. So yeah, I do feel like the running game will continue to be successful. And even with all these injuries, the 49ers will you know, achieve a winning record in 2020. All right, Joe Burrow will get his first win against the Eagles in week three. That's a tough one, Arif. I'm going to say that's an overreaction. I feel like at some point, the Eagles need to kind of kick it into gear and start and kind of kick start their season. And I think it's a good chance to come this week against, you know, a lesser opponent. You'd think you'd think they're a lesser opponent. Just like we thought they were a lesser opponent, uh, just like we thought the, you know Washington was a lesser opponent. But anyway, I think Carson Wentz has to step up and start you know being consistent and making plays. And 
the defense is kind of the defense has got to you know limit these lesser teams, and they haven't been able to do it so far. And I think this is the week that they've they they're forced to kind of start playing well because if they go to zero and three, then I think this season is just about over for them. They've got a lot of injuries, and zero and three is a pretty deep hole. Um, so I think a win is probably on the cards for them this week. That wraps up Jack's ruler reaction for week three. And uh, it also wraps up our episode 18 podcast this week. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, We hope you guys enjoyed seeing our faces for the first time as well. Hopefully (laughs) what you see wasn't wasn't too disappointing. But um, make sure if you haven't already to go and follow us on Instagram that is at touch.down.under that is where we post all of our podcast and non-podcast content we post it just about every day with news and content so go check it out we're also on Twitter at the TDU podcast and we'll be posting our podcasts to YouTube and Facebook that is at touchdownunder hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and we will see you next week <laughs>